When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins hockey talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online. Another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a Patreon member to be eligible for weekly Boston hockey prizes and monthly Boston Bruins hand-signed jersey giveaways. Please go to patreon.com slash podcast and donate just $1 per episode. Many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show. What's up, Bruins fans? Back for another Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. This is episode 266, and I'm Mark Allred with my boy, Kevin O'Keefe over here. Kevin, how are we doing? Doing awesome, man. Uh, how was your week? It wasn't bad. I mean, um, just working, you know, freaking shaved my head for no reason, that. you know? So just got to, you know, the special lady friend likes it this way, so I don't have to spend the money on a haircut, so it works for me. Same here. <laughs> there you go. Look at that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and and it, it starts a trend now. This is the rally skull. How's that? Oh, yeah. Rally it's skull the, it out. It's the, the, bald, uh... the bald and beard club. <laughs> I love it. All right. Uh, 
Thank you for tuning back into the hockey pod, uh, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We truly appreciate it. Um, we got a lot, a lot of stuff to talk about. Me and Kevin went through and did a, um, a pretty extensive uh, agenda here, so we hopefully you enjoy it. Um, before we get into that and uh, and hear from the show sponsor, I do want to mention we're looking for more writers at blackandgoldhockey.com, and we're also looking for more podcasts if interested. Uh, if you um, love the Bruins as much as we do and you'd like to cover them by being a writer, a credentialed writer at that, at the AHL level or the East Coast uh, level, we certainly appreciate it if you reach out to uh, Black and Gold Productions LLC at gmail.com. We'd certainly love to hear you or a podcast on the platform uh, that we have on the podcast network. Uh, that'd be awesome too. We'd love to get some more shows involved. But before we do the uh, the Boston Bruins hockey talk, let's hear from show sponsor BetOnline.ag. Football might be over for the season, but basketball is in full stream for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next fired coach is going to land, BetOnline.ag is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 to get started. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline.ag is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage, which is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline.ag is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline.ag, it's where the game starts. All right, we just heard from show sponsor BetOnline.ag. They are fantastic. And if you want to get in on the game and lay some skin on the action, go to BetOnline.ag and use that code CLNS50. Don't forget that, folks. It's really important and it helps our program out tremendously. All right, let's get into it, Kev. We got some Boston Bruins hockey talk to uh, to, to roll out here, and the first game of the week um, on our week because we record on Wednesdays uh, was Saturday against the Ottawa Senators up in Ottawa um, on February twelfth. I kind of took this game as um, a scheduled win just because of the fact is that it was Ottawa and where they are in the standings. Even though the Ottawa has been playing somewhat decent. And they could have been the uh, the stinker in this one. Um, the Bruins, I thought, played really well. Came out uh, with a two to nothing victory. Uh, goals from Trent Frederick, his third, and Curtis Lazar, his sixth, and uh, uh, Jeremy Swayman uh, gets his first win since January second. And uh, a big shutout for thirty save shutout. So, your thoughts on that game, Kevin? It was it was what it was. I mean, they they got the win. I'm happy about that. Was it one of those no doubter wins that um, you'd like to see against a team like that? No, um, they were also down Martian and Bergeron, so they weren't really full, you know, ready to go. <clears throat> but right from the opening shift, I mean, they were just on it. Um, they, they scored on that opening shift. That Frederick Coyle and Smith line is just absolutely tearing it up right now. You love to see that. Um, yeah, you really want to see Smith bury one. You really do. And and he had such a chance and he just got absolutely robbed. Um, it, it was, it ended up going in, uh, for Frederick there, but you really want to see Smith score there. You really do. I'm really impressed with that third line the past couple of games. Um, 
and uh, hopefully it continues uh, going into uh, tomorrow night. But, I mean, we'll see what happens. Because we'll talk about it later on, but it did flip-flop. All right, now let's talk about the Tuesday game against the New York Rangers uh, on February 15th. Um, Kevin, uh, since my computer is not working very well, can you please uh, tell us the Bruins goals? Yeah, so the game ended 2-1 to one in a shootout. Um, the goals for the Bruins during the game, we had Coyle scoring, um, and that was within the first period. And then in the shootout, you had goals from both DeBrusque and Coyle. All right, so um, the New York Rangers didn't play in 15 days. One concern for me about these this matchup was the Bruins have been playing on a pretty consistent uh, schedule, you know, uh, every other day kind of schedule. And the Rangers just haven't had a competitive game in so long. And you can definitely see at the start of the game that the Rangers looked like they were skating in cement and so on. But absolutely, um, I, I really thought that the Bruins would take advantage of that. And I, although I think it was a really a, a good game, it was very competitive, physical, uh, and so on, I just thought that it was something that that could have been done in regulation and not gone all the way from an overtime to a shootout. And, you know, and I mean, we get a point out of the game, which is good, but uh, I just thought that that could have been such a, a better played game uh, by the Boston Bruins and, and, and get it in the right to get it done in the regulation. You know, I mean, <clears throat> the Bruins have not scored a goal outside of the first period since coming back from the all-star break. Ouch. Yeah. Yeah, that's they, they, scored, they scored two in the first against Pittsburgh and then lost the game. Scored nothing in Carolina against Carolina. I believe so, right? That was a shutout loss. Yep. I didn't get to see that game, so I'm just going off of memory for that one. Um, Ottawa, first two goals that they scored, first period. That's it. Only oh, That's it. And then moving into um, uh, last night's game, again, one goal in the first period. They're not getting anything, and they're getting no traction going. It seems like they're sitting back a lot, and they're kind of defending whatever lead they have coming out of that first period, whether it's because they're actually sitting back or it's because the other team kind of snaps out of it and wakes up. I don't know what it is. Yeah, definitely a cause for concern. But also, it's another game that we're not with Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron. You know, it's uh, two offensive weapons right there. And it was so weird, so weird that the the Shesterkin freaking um, spotter pulled him out into the just before. I think it was just before the uh, shootout was going to happen. It, it was in overtime, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in overtime, and the, he actually got taken out way after the initial contact from Smith. Yeah. King. And I'm sitting there looking at it like, why did it take this long to happen? Why didn't it happen immediately? But they got him out, and then uh, Georgiev came in for uh, 40 seconds to finish <laughs> off the OT there. Um, and then you figured from there that you were going to be seeing Georgiev going out there for the shootout, but no, out comes Shostarkin. And yep. you're like, wait, hold on. That was like five and a half seconds. What happened here? There was, li- there was literally like barely any time elapsed. And yeah. I'm sitting there saying to myself, like, A, I knew the guy didn't have a concussion anyway. But, like, I was just really confused on what was going on. Yeah, It's good on the NHL to go ahead and pull him just in case. I think that's really good. 
Um, but how quick it took. I mean, how can you tell if the guy's got a concussion in, in what was maybe three, four minutes? I found it weird as the former goaltender, never pro, just beer league stuff. I, I, beer I league found, hero. Yeah, that's right. C division champs, baby. Um, <laughs> I found it weird that they they kind of gravitated to his eye movements and his like squinting and so on to like oh, yeah. that that's what triggered. But you know, anybody that plays net, you got sweat in your eyes. There's nothing but salty sweat going in your eyes and water. And it's, it's all kinds of um, – it's not fun, believe it or not, because you're trying to see the puck and not and, and you're always avoiding the sweat drips and so on. If you have a good freaking uh, sweat band, then that's fantastic. I'm sure these uh, 2,500, 3,500 uh, 3, goaltending helmets um, or masks these days are – are equipped with some good bands, but back in my day, oh man, it was so bad to try to see. But um, well, that's what you get when you're a big fat goaltender trying to trying to skate, you know. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it, I just I just found it weird. Um, and what else I found weird, and I'm probably gonna get bashed for this one, was the the effort in the shootout. I, I found very uh, disheartening, to be honest with you. Disturbing. Like, yeah, it's like nobody – why wasn't anybody committed to make a move? Why was so many players just coming in and just taking a shot? I mean, you saw Sisterkin give up a couple um, on the glove side and so on. It just seemed like everybody was attacking it. And it Shesterkin almost seemed like he was getting ready for it. Like, hey, I know where you're going. I'm going to take it all day here. Right, uh, you adjusted. Yeah, and in my opinion, if you if you're trying to target one area, you should expose another one because the goalie is going to think that hey, they're going to go here, but may not know a head fake, a, a kick, or or a move, a deke, whatever. It could go with the opposite direction, but it almost seemed like there was just no creativity at all in that shootout to get that uh, second point. I agree. Um, when when you look at the brush shot, though. That's just what he does. I mean, you always see that that drag back snapshot that he just loves to float over the shoulder of the goaltender. Um, so seeing that from him did not surprise me. I remember, you know, saying it to the person to my left when I was watching the game. Watch what DeBrusque is about to do. He's about to drag it back for a for a snapshot right over the shoulder. Boom! There it is. I mean, it's just predictable. Uh, goaltenders are gonna catch on to it at some point. And be like, all right, we know what he's doing. Stand tall. Um, but then with coils, it was, it was a little different, but yeah, he, again, he exposed the, um, the glove side. Um, obviously Shostarkin was able to adjust to that. And then when Taylor Hall went in, he, he, I think Taylor Hall had a good attempt there. If he had a little bit more elevation on that, maybe he would have had it, but I thought he was going to pull it to the backhand there. And I thought he was going to try to get some elevation and roof it, um, on the, um, on the uh, blocker side. Yeah. Uh, we didn't get to see that. So um, it is what it is, but overall, I mean, I'd say I'm pretty, I'm pretty happy with the fact that they got a point, you yeah. know, I mean, I, I, I had them penciled for a loss in regulation. So to get that point and to see Swayman play the way he was able to play, that is fantastic. Yeah. Really? You penciled in as a win even after almost uh, two weeks, over two weeks off? Yeah, absolutely. Just because 
of what I've been seeing from the team uh, without Martian and Bergeron, I, I knew that, I mean, with the way, I mean, Shostarkin, he is on his way yeah. to being a top three, you know, Vesna finalist. Yeah. A hundred percent. Totally um, agree. So you know, I knew, I knew that was going to be tough for this team, you know, it, right out of the gate. So when I see, when I see Shostarkin in net and I see a team that's been playing really well and rolling and a team that's my dark horse for a Stanley cup finals. Um, yeah. I, I penciled it in as a, as a loss and it, it's just, I, I was very happy to get the point out of it. Well, they, they, they have very good players um, that can, you know, play multiple roles. I mean, Panarin just a world-class talent anyway. That guy's got hands that are just ridiculous. A phone, you know, stick handle in a phone booth type of guy. So, um, yeah. His shootout attempt was beautiful. (laughs) Yeah, it was. It was absolutely crazy. All right, but no Ranger love here. We do not like New York. Um, Ooh. Exactly. All right, let's move on to the the list of topics that we came up with over the week. Um, uh, Patrice Bergeron is back with the team, and he is practicing, and no more uh, Merlot jersey or no more no-contact red. Uh, he was uh, in full participation today, Wednesday, and uh, seems like he's going to get in the lineup tomorrow night against the New York Islanders down on the island. So um, thoughts about uh, Patrice Bergeron, the captain, coming back. I'm sure it's going to be um, a little better than what we've been seeing because, we, you know, that you need that inspirational leader. You need that first line C right there to, uh, you know, to drive the play and, and set the tone for the team. So uh, what are your thoughts? It's it's all good. Uh, Yeah, you're getting your captain back. I think that's huge. And it's not just any captain. It's Patrice Bergeron. The guy's an animal. We know that. Um, So to get him back, and and another good thing, too, is that it was told that it was not a concussion. Very good news. Very good news. He had a a laceration on his head that they wanted to um, make sure healed up okay. Um, So that's great. Very happy to hear that. He's going to slot in. Uh, with Hall on his left and Pasenak on his right. So that's already giving you a bump to your offense. And then they're going with that second uh, that's, that second line you've been seeing of uh, Coyle, Smith, and Frederick. Um, so I'm very happy to see that. I, I think, especially against a team like the Islanders, who have been having a very rocky season, I think that's a good way to introduce Bergeron back in. I mean, I know the Islanders have been having that rocky season, but let's be real, they – they're still a good team, but that for some reason just can't get it together. Right. So I'm excited to see uh, what this team with even just Bergeron back can end up doing. So we'll find out. Yeah, I'm totally stoked to see, uh, have the Bergenheimer back in the uh, in the fold. You know, <laughs> the Bergenheimer. Yeah, that's my favorite. <laughs> I really do not like that there's still fans out there that are saying that he was slew-footed by, by Crosby. It continues today. And I've said a thousand times, I've seen it. I've seen the play, and it was not a slew-footed. You need to stop. <laughs> I love I the agree. folks that back with the, uh, with the you don't know the rules. And I was like, well, apparently you don't either because that was not a slew-footed. That was not an egregious hit at all. But anyways, that was old history. Moving on to the next topic about Brad Marchand, and he is uh, appealing the six-game suspension uh, that was supposed to be done today. Any news on that, Kevin? I haven't seen any news. Um, I'm assuming that this is going to take well beyond he well beyond the six games that he's um, ended up 
serving uh, his last game is going to be uh, this upcoming Monday against the Colorado Avalanche. And I, I don't foresee us getting any answer till God. I mean, we'd be lucky to get it by Friday. Um, but I, I don't see us getting an answer on anything until Monday, maybe Tuesday. And at that point, the only reparations he can get is any type of um, money fines that um, he was charged for this. Uh, he can get some reparations for um, that type of stuff. Yeah. Um, sooner rather than later is, is a good thing um, because his his uh, his offense and the way that he can drive a line by himself is, is, is solely needed. Um I don't know. I don't know where to go with this because I'm not, you know, privy on on how these appeals work out all the time and so on. But it almost seems like this, you know, should have been done a while ago uh, to get it to where it needs to be, where we can get him back in the lineup. At this point, you know, it's Wednesday right now, and uh, his last game would be the the, the missing the Colorado. It's like, uh, is it really a point to continue? You know, it's kind of tough to think about. Yeah, the NHL, the NHLPA is going to have to get all over this and really figure out a way to make this work. Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be faster, you know, because you know points are on the board right now, and a player like him, he legitimately might be the left, the best one of the best three left wings in the league that were were out of the lineup, and we need that, and you know. We, we're in a wild card right now for a playoff spot and, and nothing's nothing's assured right now with, with, you know, 30 some odd games to go, um, you know, make up your mind as soon as possible, you know, play a play a safety can come out within 24 hours and make a judgment on a hit. Why can't, you know, the people in the office, uh, you know, pick up a phone and say, you know, Hey, we need to uh, appeal this. Uh, can we do it as soon as possible? Right. So, <clears throat> Makes absolutely no sense to me. But regardless, it would be nice to have him back on the lineup. Oh, absolutely. He is sorely missed. Um, moving on to another topic. And this one this one's weird. It kind of gained some traction from uh, Jamie McLennan. He's a former um, goaltender in the NHL, Calgary Flames, and so on. Um, he mentioned something that um, Boston could be a dark horse to trade for Marc-Andre Fleury before the trade deadline and when i when i first saw this i was just really really like dumbfounded a little bit it was like does this actually make sense and i thought of it in a way as in you know they were they were thinking about bringing tuka rass back when they did they actually did bring tuka rass back and they that kind of veteran kind of involvement and I kind of was like, man, do they really want a veteran like that back into the mix like this? What would you do with a young goaltender? And, and the thought of sending him down the second time this season because uh, Flurry's not going to Providence. Uh, you know, he's the only one that would be able to go down because of his entry level contract. It absolutely made no sense to me after thinking about it uh, for several minutes, and it, it, literally several minutes. Some things for me take days to think about. This was, <laughs> this was just minutes. <laughs> just sitting there, sitting there in your chair for literally three days, not yeah. eating, not drinking, <laughs> not using the bathroom, <laughs> the bedpan next to you. Yeah, what the like, hell? Just what is going on in his mind right now? <laughs> yeah. I had no no idea where to go with that. I love Noodles. Noodles is a great guy. You know, anybody from the goaltenders union, I'm I'm hot, uh, very high on. But 
Noodles was smoking it that that time because it just doesn't make any sense to bring in somebody like that when you have a tandem already at hand and it was working before Tugarask came in and obviously is working now with Tugarask out of the picture. So your thoughts, Kevin? Yeah, I agree. I mean, when I look at when I look at the situation with the goaltending, it's last on my list of things that need to be addressed. Um, especially when you signed a guy with in Linus Allmark who is supposed to come in and be that starting goaltender. You paid him to be that. Five million dollars is definitely starter salary. So now that you have him in the fold, if you were to go ahead and bring a guy like Marc Andre Fleury in, what are you telling him? Are you telling him we don't believe in you as a as a starting goaltender, even though we signed you to be one? I mean, agents talk. They're going to yeah. hear that and they're going to say to themselves, don't go sign in Boston because um, they don't give a crap. They'll sign you and then they'll just bench you. They don't care. So you got to be careful there. You really do. And I don't see it happening. No. And and purely, I mean, I gravitated right to uh, Puckpedia, our go-to uh, for salary cap information, or at least mine anyway. You know, that's that's kind of a heavy price to pay. And and if you were going to make that deal, somebody's going to have to come off the roster because we do not have a ton of uh, of salary cap space right now uh, to facilitate something like that. So uh, I I just don't see it. I didn't I didn't see it. And I don't think it would be the help. I think that like like you just uh, alluded to goaltending is not the problem. I don't think I think all Mark and Swayman are completely fine with this. And I think that if there's any uh, additions that need to happen, it's got to be um, maybe two at the defense or maybe one and one, one good forward and one good defenseman. And then roll the dice, go from there on, on the rest of your uh, regular season and, and what happens in the playoffs if you happen to make it. But I don't, I don't desperately see a need for the, uh, um, I don't even know if it would be an upgrade. I like I like uh, MAF and everything. I really do. He's a good goalie, but he's you know getting up in age and so on. I know he wants to get out of Chicago, uh, or I mean, Chicago is just a terrible, terrible, um, um, yeah, organization. We could, we could go on and on about that. Yeah, that could really be a three day show. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of put me, threw me through a loop on this one. You know, a lot of the stuff that I see on Twitter throws me through a loop, but still, this was just like, damn, you're not really helping us here, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I agree with what you were saying, though, when it comes to what they actually need. Um, you know, two defensemen and a forward would be fantastic, or a one-and-one, one, like two significant, really good pieces, one-and-one one would be good as well. I'm starting to gravitate a little bit towards getting a guy who can play with Martian and Bergeron. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm kind of getting there. Um, and, and honestly, I mean, I've been really um, off the train of on this 2C matter, but I'm starting to kind of gain a tiny bit more traction towards that. I'm not saying fully. You, I'll, you'll never get that out of me. I'm starting to see how it could be beneficial, but only if it's the right piece. It's got to be the right piece. I'm not talking about going out and getting, you know, a, a, a rental like uh, Giroux to come in and be that 2C. It's going to cost too much, and it's not what you should be doing. If, it, if it's a piece that um, has term and is young enough and can be a part of your right now and future, I'm not going to be mad about it. You know, I'm sure if tomorrow the Bruins traded for a JT Miller, are you going to be mad about it? 
Not really. Me neither. Not really, because it's a positive addition. He could play the wing and he could play up the middle. You know, it's it's that's a no brainer. The price, on the other hand, would be different. That might be a different argument on what they gave up for him, but um, you know, that's that, that remains to be seen. But why don't we just jump right into the next topic? Will Thomas Hurdle be available at the deadline? And so now you you talked about the two C and the need for addition there. Is this the guy that you're talking about? Um, it, it could be if they do plan on making that type of addition. I think this would definitely be one of the guys to go for. But that's only if you can get any type of insur- assurance on some term. Um, from what I'm understanding of the situation with Tomas Hurdle right now in San Jose is that <clears throat> he's looking for term. He's looking for a deal that's going to take him from this is going to be probably his last good UFA contract. So he wants to make sure there's some good term on it, probably seven or eight years. It's probably what he wants. Um, I know he wants to stay in San Jose, but I'm not sure if they're going to be able to get that done. And if they can't get that done, he will be made available. But at that point, you got to look at yourselves if you're the Bruins and say, am I looking to sign this guy for seven, eight years um, and be paying him that money where it could be top dollar? I know that, uh, yeah, San Jose is really working hard to lock him in for a couple more years. And I'm sure that they don't want to go the full term as his, his, his and his agent are, um, you know, talking about. Um, I'm a little concerned about Hurdle's uh, foot speed because there's a lot of people that uh, pay a closer attention to San Jose than I do that say he has slowed down uh, quite a bit. Um, I don't know if that's because of down years. Or, you know, it's kind of an emotional thing and so on. Would a change of scenery make um, a difference and pick that up in his game? That's a great possibility. Uh, but but then again, it's the price that you're going to pay for him. And um, he's the type of, you know, is, is he, does he have term? Does he have at least a year left? Nothing. UFA. Oh, so Jesus. That's, that's, yeah. So yep. I wouldn't go full bore on, on, on getting something like that um, just for a rental. That would be yeah. tough. That's where the, that's where the need for assurance comes in. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Kind of like what happened with Mark Stone in Vegas when they acquired him. Uh, They were able to do a a sign and trade. Um, That's what you'd be looking at. And there's no way Don Sweeney is going to get this guy to take a hometown discount for a place he's never played. Mm. So that's that's true. That's true. Yeah. Trader Don's not going to throw that uh, juju down in there. No, he's not. <laughs> unless, unless he can have Bergeron freaking massage his shoulders a little bit. And, you know, but I doubt right. that will even work, you know. Exactly. Um, moving on to the next topic. Charlie Coyle needs to be a factor down the stretch. And, you know, it was kind of funny. I'm going to start calling you the Kiefer Damas because <laughs> – you called the you called the, the he needs to pick it up and he actually did that night and I, I I quote tweeted that one because you were right on and uh obviously when we talked about it uh in the um the game recaps of uh of this week when they played uh the Rangers 
Um, he got it done. He got it on the scoreboard. Uh, but we need more of that. We need more of an offensive, productive uh, Charlie Coyle. But we're also not shy on saying that we definitely need that puck possessive Charlie Coyle as well. But, um, you know, if you're going to be climbing these lines with your good play, I just I just want to see more offensive production. I know a lot of the the experts, uh, higher pay grades and so on, are all going to say that uh, don't worry about points when it comes to Charlie Coyle. Well, to me, it kind of does because I've, I've noticed several years of his inconsistency and in long stretches. And when you when you're looking for secondary scoring and you're looking for impact and a guy that can finish, I know he can finish. If he gets to the net and he pushes that goalie back, he's got top shelf all the time. We saw it in the in the uh, shootout last night. You know, yep. when he when he gets those opportunities to push that goalie back and it creates more net to shoot at, he's deadly. So what do you think about Charlie Coyle and his offensive uh, production uh, or lack thereof? So last night I gave two factors for this team to win this, win that game. First factor was Charlie Coyle needs to be a big part of this win. Uh, the second one was that that hollow line needs to get on the score sheet. We didn't see that second one happen. Um, but Charlie Coyle was able to make himself a big part of that game throughout too. Not just, not just, you know, that goal, but also um, the way he just was a dog on that puck all game. Um, you saw things that you really like to see, you know, that heavy puck possession. Uh, he was quick last night, too. A lot of people like to talk about how he doesn't have speed. But did you see him on some of those um, some of those uh, breaks he had up the boards where he was able to kind of just cut into the net? Yep. He looked fast in those time, in those areas, gaining a lot of speed and momentum. I mean, when, when I see a player playing that way, it just makes me wonder. I mean – is he worth taking a shot on again um, as that second line center with a guy like Taylor Hall and David Pasenak? He hasn't had that chance yet. And I know a lot of people are going to say, well, their games don't mesh this and that because Coyle is slow and they're fast. Well, I mean, I, I don't know about that. Taylor Hall. It, mesh- worked. it worked for Krejci. Yeah, I was about to say, Taylor Hall meshed very well with David Krejci, who we all know is not a very fast player. Now, before you go ahead and say, but, 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 I understand. Krejci and Coyle are different players. Krejci is a much more gifted and skilled player than Coyle is. But the last time you saw Coyle and Taylor Hall play together, they had Smith on their right side, who has been having a pretty off year when Mm -hmm. it comes to consistency. You put a guy like David Pasternak there, I don't know. I mean, it could work. Yeah. You never know. I mean, I, if, I, if I'm if i Cassidy, I, I'm giving it a shot. I understand that that Coyle, Smith, and Frederick line is great, but try that Holla, Smith, and Frederick line. See how that would work out. I mean, because if, if you can get the best out of Coyle for that $5 million, and if that's going to be with those two players, I mean, that's great because he's still young enough to where – um, you know, if he can work out in that role, you're golden. I mean, am I, am I guaranteeing something is going to happen from that? No. I mean, it, it could fail. Absolutely. It could fail, but why not give it a shot? What do you have to lose? I think Coyle, his evaluating factor is probably going to be like tomorrow against the Islanders. If he has a really good explosive game, several impacts in the game, um, 
uh, point productive. I think I think you he puts Bruce Cassidy into a corner and like, well, okay, where do we go from here with him? Do we drop him back down to the third line where a lot of Bruins fans think that he's comfortable, including me? But I'm I'm the type of uh, person or fan that likes to see. Um, Good play rewarded. And obviously, lately, Charlie Coyle has been a good player and gotten rewarded. So, uh, I don't know. It's, it's it's so tough with him because he can just he, – he goes in and out to me. You know, he's still always a really good player and so on. But he, he has those times that he just really excels to a higher level. But then again, there's times where you just – you see more, more of that puck possession game and that mastermind, like that keep away, you know, and, and I need to dish it out here and dish it out there. But you know, like lately we're seeing more get to the net, Charlie coil, make opportunities happen uh, with, with some creativity. And the creativity is like you're saying, not going from the wide side in like, like getting really, really close and um, you know, opening up more opportunities to get goals and the goaltender going side to side laterally. So I mean, if we can keep this going, I'd love to see a consistent Charlie Coyle. And obviously, I'd love to see a consistent Charlie Coyle on the second line because it just it just breeds a little bit more of that secondary scoring that we constantly need. We see it in, in phases. It like, oh, secondary scoring's back. We're, we're, we're pumped up, and all of a sudden, it just goes away. And what's funny, Mark, is that um, Coyle's doing this on the second line right now. You know, because and it may not feel that way to Bruins fans because you because because the line that he's playing with. But with the players out, he's technically your second line center right now. He's playing in an elevated role with lesser talent than a Hall and a Pasternak. So if you were to take Frederick and Smith out and drop them back down to third and stick pasta and Hall, uh, uh, pasta and Hall there, you might have something. And I know I'll get some backlash for this. I don't care. I got backlash 5 million times when I kept harping on needing to break up the perfection. I hate that. The yeah. production line, <laughs> um, you know, and putting Pasenak and, and Hall together. I got so much crap for that. But now it seems to be one of the best things going on the team. Um, yeah. And I'm, I mean, I, I just have this inkling you know, in my body saying, do Coyle, Hall, and Pasternak. Um, I'd like to see it. Um, I, I think he should get rewarded, especially if he does come out and play a fantastic game against the uh, New York Islanders tomorrow night. So let's see what happens. Um, we are going right through this topic agenda very fast. Let's let's touch on one more, and then we'll hear from Bruce Sullivan uh, from Boston Sports and Music. Um would you be comfortable with Charlie McAvoy and Matt Grizzlick pairing going into the playoffs if we make it? I want to hear what you have to say on this one. I I do because um, statistic. Uh, I can't even say that. Stat say. Yeah. Stat- what did you say? Stat say. What? <laughs> I just changed it. I'm not saying statistics because I can't. I can't say it when I want to say it, but when I'm trying to push it out, I kind of make sense out of it. But stat say. <laughs> stats say um or numbers say that they are a very good pairing and i get that we hear it a lot on other podcasts particularly the short shift podcast which is one of my favorites um 
uh, very high on that on that pairing. I'm high on it too, but I also uh, it's that size factor for Matt Grizzly for me, and 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 how much um, that line with Charlie McAvoy, who drives that first pairing, needs. Uh, in my opinion, I just think it, somebody needs to be bigger on that. I think Matt Grizzly is the type of defenseman that works well with like Brandon Carlo. You know, it's. I don't know. I might not be making much sense out of this at all, but I. No, you are. There is there is really good things that come out of a Grizzly and McAvoy pairing, but there's also when you're playing certain teams that they're getting outweighed, and I think that I think that um, Grizzly speed, it, which is always a factor because he transitions well, grabs the puck and gets out as soon as possible, but it's just that maneuverability when when your opponent gets uh, closer to the crease. You're getting outmatched many times by bigger forwards, and and that's kind of a concern for me. And going into the postseason, where it the seasons are different, we're going to see a different game. You know, you're probably not going to see a lot of these cross checks in the uh, midsection called in the playoffs. And I think that's when you need a bigger player to not only accept that, but also be ready for it when when it happens to turn around and give it right back at you. I don't see that player being Matt Grizzly, but I'm wicked 50-50 on this whole thing and if that made sense at all, but uh let's uh, I'm going to go to the guy that absolutely makes sense on a lot of this stuff. Go ahead, Kevin. <laughs> no, what you're saying does make sense because when you look at the pairing itself, statistically it is fantastic. Um, you know, the, the goals for, for the goals against, I mean, everything, of course, all of it, when you look at it all, you're just like, wow, this is a top three pairing in the league, but there is a, but, um, Grizzly, he is a smaller dude. He gets injured quite often. Can he hold up to the heavy minutes that he, that's going to be asked of him in the playoffs? And is his body going to be able to hold up for that? That's a real question. You have to kind of sit there and think to yourself, is this something that he's going to be able to handle playing that many minutes? I think using him as a situational type pairing, like if you're down a goal and you really need a goal or, you know, a situation like that, I think it could be a good situational pairing because it it has a really good um, success rate when it comes to putting the puck in the net. Um, but when it comes to needing to shut something down, I think you're going to need somebody who's got a little bit more size, who's a little bit more stay at home, who can really play with McAvoy because McAvoy is an all around type of player. He can he can score on the offense. He can um, get back and defend. He can back check well, forecheck well. He, he can do it all. Um, so to be able to allow him to have free range, to be able to do everything that he wants to do in any zone, by having a nice stay-at-home guy next to him, solid, someone you don't have to worry about. Kind of like, this is a good example, except uh, McAvoy, I think, is way better than Eric Carlson at the game. Uh, but Mark Mathot and Eric Carlson, um, when those two were together, Carlson could literally leave the ice and go get a Gatorade and leave Mathot out there alone, and everything was A-OK. Like, right. <laughs> that's how good of a guy Mark Mathot was at being able to make up for what uh, Carlson lacked 
Um, now, obviously, McAvoy doesn't lack that defensive side, but he'd be able to jump up in the play a lot more knowing that he has a guy back there who is so solid. Uh, and that's not to say that Grizzlick isn't solid or is a bad player. He's not. He's a good player, but he's kind of like McAvoy in a way where he's more of that two-way guy who can throw the offense um, and get back and do this. And I'd like to see McAvoy kind of have free range to go crazy offensively, especially in the, especially in the playoffs. All right, let me throw some voodoo at you, okay? What about if, and I know that we had several conversations on Twitter about this, if you mentioned that you want somebody bigger and more of a stay at home, but that that can produce some offense if needed, jump in, be the type of layer guy to come in and and, and see what happens. Jakobs Borrell was healthy. Would you ride him and McAvoy in the playoffs? If the regular season success that I saw continued and they kept growing upon that, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think that Zaboral um, was really playing to his ceiling before he went down. Uh, that guy looked like he was primed to just take over a top four spot and run with it. Um, him going down really sucks. Um, and that's not the first time he's gone down. I mean, he's dealt with some injuries and that's kind of scary too, but, um, yeah, I mean, Zaboral, I think would have been the perfect pairing for him. Um, I would love to have seen it. Um, Vakaninen hasn't really had enough time to really 100% prove to me that he should be that, that guy who can pair with him. But if he continues to grow upon his success, I could totally see him being a top four guy as well. I mean, the left side, it, could, it doesn't seem like it's going to be all as bad as people thinks it, think it's going to be with um, Zaboro looking like he's going to hit his ceiling and Vakanine and also looking like he has a chance to hit his ceiling. Um, I mean, anything could happen, of course. Uh, they could just come out next season or Vakanine could come out this season and totally blow. You never know. But – the way it's looking, yeah, Zaboral, 100%. I know you're on board with that, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wanted to see him. I'm like, come on, Bruce. Put put freaking little Z up there, man. I want to see this. Little Z, I like it. I want to see that. And that's, I'm not, I took that from somebody else. That's not mine. No, I, I really wanted to see how him and him and uh, McAvoy would work because it, it almost seemed like Forbert was up there and, and Grizzlick was up there and, and Riley was up there. And it's just like he went, Every pairing that he could, but left the last letter out of the alphabet out. Like, we're not doing that. And it's like, oh, I wanted it. I wanted it so bad. Just one game. I just wanted to see if there was any little bit of chemistry there because I think that that would be a a tremendous matchup, whether it be regular season or a playoff, you know. I agree. uh, Yeah, I just – it's so unfortunate with injuries and so on and and these guys that, you know, that have come up to the system and – you know, really grinded it away. I know Zaboral hasn't had great uh, seasons in the past. I, 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 you know, as as um, a, a person that watches Providence all the time, I was really impressed with with his play. But back then, it wasn't the play that this guy immediate needs to be in the NHL right now. It was more or less like he's just working on some stuff. But this past season, it was a contract year. I get it. And he was working really hard and got that shot when, uh, you know, obviously injuries happen. He s- seamlessly fit right in. And, and you know, I, I, I really wanted to see him uh, do more. And hopefully he gets resigned. And hopefully this injury doesn't, like, you know, 
hinder any progression moving forward. But um, I know Dom Tiano had something interesting to talk about when he talking about the RFA status about Zaboro because he seems to think that it's going to go to a UFA and that loses, I believe it loses the uh, Arbrights. I'm going to have to do some more instant investigation on it, but I know Dom Tiano and um, the, um, the, uh, a person from cat friendly got involved too about the discussion. So um, we, we should just see if we can get Dom on here to talk all about it. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally on board. with getting Dom on. The guys are in an encyclopedia of hockey, so yeah, he's no always shit. welcome. When I have to, when I take days to think about shit, this guy's just like, <laughs> yeah. snap, yeah. snap. Yep, you're so. just sitting there, oh, and he's just like, I got it. Don't worry, you're good. You got it. <laughs> All right, uh, why don't we take our uh, mid-show break now? We are uh, flying through these topics, which is okay with me because it's a two, it's a Wednesday night. I got to edit this stuff and and whatever. So. Uh, let's hear from um, Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. He's got some amazing stuff, and um, hand-signed jerseys, signed pictures, signed pucks, tons of awesome stuff that we, we give away here on our, on our show, and we're going to give away later on, so stay tuned for that. But uh, let's hear from Bruce, and we'll talk on the other side. <laughs> This is Bruce from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia with our black and gold memorabilia moment of the week. We are proud to announce memorabilia from our February 6th signing with Miracle on Ice Star and former Bruin Dave Silk. 1980 Olympic hockey legend Dave Silk is our legend of the week. And you can buy something from the Dave Silk Legend Collection. Choose the Team USA Dave Silk Legend Jersey. Inscribed 1980 Miracle on Ice with JSA authenticated signature. Yours for just $99. Or choose the Miracle 1980 Jersey with Dave Silk number 8 signature. Yours for $99. On February 21st, we are hosting Big Bad Bruin and Shoe Fight Veteran Mike Milbury. Again, we will have jerseys, pucks, photos, and more. And on February 26th, we are proud to host two legends, Reggie Lemelin and the number one scorer of all time, the captain, Johnny Busick. For more information on our dozens of Bruins hand-signed pieces, check us out at our Facebook page, Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, or email us directly at bostonsportsandmusic at gmail.com. And be sure to tune in each week right here to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Let's go! What's up, East fans? We are back talking Boston Bruins hockey, and we just heard from the amazing Bruce Sullivan from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia. You need to spice up that fan cave, folks. I'm telling you. You need more Black and Gold everywhere. Go and follow him on Facebook. Follow him uh, on the Facebook page, the Facebook group, and also send out an email to him. He, I know he provided his email address. So get in touch and see what he has in his inventory because he works very well with everybody and incredible prices. All right, let's get back at it. Here's an interesting one that I think this is one one's from you, Kevin. Um, should the Bruins be more worried about the uh, the offense than we initially thought? Yeah, I mean, I understand that we're down Bergeron and Martian right now, 
But that's something that you kind of need to think about going into the playoffs. If you go down a Bergeron or a Martian, the offense doesn't look too good. They may, they may need another guy in there. Um, I think it's more – I think it's something that is more of an issue than we initially thought for sure. Um, bringing in someone who can maybe play with Martian and Bergeron um, is what I'd like to do. Um, but obviously, you know, if they were to bring in another center uh, who could play in the top six role, that wouldn't bum me out either. But it's just you got to put the assets where – you got to put it where it really matters at this point, you know, because you only have limited assets that you can use and you don't want to use a guy like LaSalle. Uh, you can't use a guy like Swayman, even if you wanted to at this point. Um, and then Laura is another guy who you don't really want to use, but you know, you got to give to get at some point um, f- to bring back a piece of significance. So you really need to look at what's available uh, and what you're willing to give up. And that's a question that Don Sweeney is going to have to answer soon here. Uh, one thing I don't like about this question or, or topic, uh, you know, I'm sorry. I, what I like about it is, is, the, is my creative thinking. Trade deadline is like March 21st, 22nd. We're coming down to it. We still have a, a ton of time. It's not up against the 11th hour quite yet. My thought is, is it going to be defense is it going to be offense or is it going to be both? So obviously I'm a big proponent of this Boston Bruins team needing two defensemen to really make a challenge. And then you have to think about the offense. We need more scoring. I don't know where I'm uh, like totally going with this, but I do know that this Boston Bruins team makes me nervous when they're only scoring one goal a game, especially against the New York Rangers last night. I was just like, man, if this was the playoffs, this is kind of sketchy. I really want to see this Boston Bruins team either this year or address it in the offseason for next year. But let's get some assets going here, if if at all possible, to increase that scoring touch. Because when I look at the defense, and if we're not going to be making any moves and we're standing firm on what we have, we need... I'm I'm not talking just this year. I'm talking next year to, as well. We need to create gaps in our score on the, on the scoreboard away from other teams. Like if they score a goal on a bad bounce or a bad play or a turnover, which constantly happens, then we need to have that faith and the capabilities in our offense to like say, hey, we need to pick it up that much more because we know we're a little weak here. And that was, that's a, I know it's a lot to unpack, but when you're thinking about the upgrades on the offense, that's the only thing that really drives me to think about this point is because in a postseason where you know, Kevin, you and, and some a lot of intelligent Boston Bruins fans out there know that it's a different game. It's a totally different game. And if you can't properly defend, defend wins championship, I totally get it. But you still have to like throw a dagger in their hearts and just like kill them on the score sheet because ultimately at the final buzzer, that's what win games. Yeah, it really does. Um, you know, putting pucks in the net is important, but keeping them out might be just a little bit more important, uh, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And um, as currently constructed, I don't know how well they're going to be able to do that. There's a lot. There's a lot of. Um, 
uh, breakdowns, especially in front of the net, not being able to clear it, not picking up players, allowing them to come in on the back door and just easily tap a goal in. Overcommitting. Right, right. You know, Um, and and clean, crisp breakout passes out of your own zone. We need to see more of that. Um, Guys like Grizzly can do it. McAvoy can do it. Riley can do it. But um, we just need to see it more consistently they're getting hemmed in to their own zone it's almost looking like power plays you know two three four minute power plays that's actually five on five yeah i know no wonder why the five on five numbers are terrible (laughs) it's so frustrating to watch but yet you look at the analytics and the goals you know the goals against numbers and the um expected goals against and this and that and they're up in the upper you know, echelon of teams when it comes to that. And you just kind of scratch your head because you're not seeing it on the ice. Right. It's weird. That's where analytics can kind of be strange, you know, because it it tells you, you know, oh, look at, they're the best. But you look at them and you're like, what are you talking about? Yeah. There's a lot of room for improvement here. Yeah, there's, there's a, it's very vague when it comes to that. And I've had several conversations. I'm not, I'm not privy on the numbers, but I get it. And I'm, I'm still learning about it because it's, you know, as a longtime hockey fan, I'm in my mid forties. So I've been around for a little while and, you know, this, this analytical view has pretty much just came in the past, let's say five or six years, right? I mean, the the really heavy, heavy freaking numbers came in right around that time. And it's just something that I needed to freaking learn as well. But I'm still, it's still a work in progress. I'm still trying to figure it out. But you're absolutely right. It's like when you see something like Jay Fresh, that guy's freaking amazing. He puts out some unbelievable graphs and numbers that that reaches out to fans like myself and gives a very good indication of what they're talking about. You know, I'm not going to I'm not going to, you know, know everything about numbers when it comes down to it or make those graphs myself. But still, it's like, but that's potential It's solely on potential. And what we're seeing on the eye test, we're seeing something different. So, you know, it's very different and I get it. But it's also a very important part of the game, because nowadays we're seeing so many people like Jay Fresh getting jobs in management with with these teams when it comes down to you know uh uh free agent signings comes down to uh trades and so on all the the daily stuff of the nhl as a general manager needs to have this in their back pocket yeah it's it's almost like uh have you seen that movie moneyball yes i yeah it's uh, can i tell you a story all right let's hear it every time i write an article that has something to do about the salary cap with the boston bruins that has to be on the TV in the office. Love it. That, su- such a fan. And I hate baseball. Yeah, it, it's such a I hate baseball. It's, it's so good. I mean, the analytics are different between baseball and hockey, of course. I mean, because with Moneyball, you're kind of taking a player and saying to yourself, oh, well, he was able to get on base this many times. So if he can do this and then this guy combined with that can do this and this guy and blah, 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 you, yep. you're going to win. You know, it, it, it's crazy, but the analytics kind of, you know, come into the same almost terms. And one thing I do like about Jay Fresh that since you mentioned him, I like how he color codes it to make it even easier. Like, oh, OK, you're in the red. You suck. Oh, you're, <laughs> you're in the yellow here. You're you're, you're OK. Yep. All right. Yep. You're in the green. Awesome. You know, yeah. I love that. I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But you know what? It, it's it, analytics also makes you guess and it makes you gamble, you know, which which I think 
a lot of organizations should do more. I think collectively, I think a lot of people like hoard this stuff. Like you're you're trying to fill your two two room apartment with uh, nothing but shoe boxes, you know. Right. <laughs> but, but still, it's just like it uh, it makes you like think differently, and and which is good in in the um in a very black and white type of game that we have now. I think that as we move on and and technology moves on i think that these are the types of of little things that just make the game that much better you know and it yep. makes it a little more riskier as a gm maybe don sweeney needs to get some uh, analytics in his life yeah you may, i mean i don't know i mean he just kind of started getting on the draft train let's see if he can uh figure that one out a little more first, you know, get another really good draft. And then we'll throw some analytics at him and see what he can do with those. I, and right. that's, and that's if he resigns. I know. I actually yeah. asked uh, Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on the DFO hockey podcast. Um, they were asking for questions. I think I might be on tomorrow. Hopefully that'd be kind of cool. But I did ask that. I was like, um, Don Sweeney's basically coming up to his, his final year of his contract. Do you guys see him extending? You know, just see, um, because these guys are Edmonton Oiler guys, like Jason Gregg is an Edmonton Oiler guy, and friggin' uh, Sarah Volley's a, a, a Flyers guy originally, you know, but they all know the NHL just like us, you know, we're, we're passionate fans. But I just wanted to reach out to somebody outside of the organization to talk about that because you and I know we, we could talk all day to, to our fans. We can have them on here and they'd be like, oh, John Sweeney's terrible. And that's yeah. all you freaking hear. I wanted to hear from an outside source about is it worth bringing a guy that, yes, number one, can talk somebody down off of a ledge and keep a, a very competitive salary cap team together, but he's also done that so long. Who's going to want to like come here and sign long-term without that in the back of their head saying, right. he's going to try to talk me down? Yeah, this guy's going to lowball me. Exactly. You know? And you then you gotta work to that angle. Yeah. And then you got to work from that low ball up to a reasonable, you know, kind of fair area. And then you got to find a middle ground. It's, exactly. um, it's definitely tough. But I mean, for a player like Taylor Hall, it seemed like he was okay with that because that's where he was in his career is, you know, he's okay with taking less money as long as he has a stable place where he can, you know, have a home. Um, you know, really just somewhere to call, you know, a city home. And I think he wanted to do that here in Boston. So it kind of worked out. It takes two to tango. So, um, you know, it, it's it's one of those things where you got to weigh the pros and cons of Don Sweeney. Um, his drafting did get better. Um, I think that, I mean, and it really hasn't been as bad as people say. If 2015 didn't go down the way it did, are we sitting here talking about it? Right. Probably not. Because you got to think, I mean, he, he's picking in the first round towards the end of the first round. Right. So when he's taking guys like Beecher and Frederick and this and that, I mean, it is what it is. You, you're not going to be, especially later in rounds, you're not going to be able to hit on everyone. You just can't do it. Um, we're lucky LaSalle fell to us. Very mm -hmm. lucky. Um, and he picked the best player available, and you got to be happy about that. And then when it comes to Harrison, that is good drafting right there. Uh, Harrison, that kid looks like he is potentially going to be a stud for this team. See, the, uh, the Harrison pick, not to interrupt you at all, but the Harrison pick for me was like how, how you address your scouting in depth. Not, not the like first round, um, it's, it's best available 
It's like, right. okay, where are we looking at right now from a third rounder and where does he fit in our future? And I like the way that they picked him because he's still a player that could play up the middle hard, but also has the availability to be better and so on. And I just think that, um, and Don Sweeney's even been up there several times this year to watch those games because I've I've seen on Twitter that people are, bu- are, are bumping into him and so on. It, it has a Bergeron, Martian, Krejci, Lucic. It has that type of feel with him. Not right. saying that he's going to be those players. That's not me saying that. Right. It just it's me saying I feel like you're going to be getting this type of player this quality of player out of this kid. Um, he should have been taken in early second round, um, if not later first round, if it wasn't for the COVID. Yeah. Um, I just feel like this kid is going to be a part of your core. I really do. Hey, a little bit of breaking news right now. The uh, Providence Bruins have signed Justin Brezzo to a one-year AHL contract extension. That is a sneakingly good move to keep him involved um, started off with the East Coast Hockey League, ECHL, sorry, uh, Maine Mariners, and um, played well down there and uh, got uh, promoted uh, via injuries and so on and call-ups uh, for the COVID stuff, but really what made it hard for a, um, a coach like Ryan Mujanel to uh, get him out of the lineup. Real big kid, good stride, great shot, um, was, was a killer for, I think, the, the battalion in the OHL had an unbelievable year. And um, I don't think he was drafted, but uh, yeah, I think that this is a good move for Providence right there for next season and, and, and continuing the season because uh, he's been really solid, real big kid. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to another topic that we have is this team worth going all in for? And that is a heavy statement, Mr. Um, Kevin O'Keefe. Um, wow. Mental pretzel material, sir. I don't it's hard. It, it's hard. It, it's hard to gauge, you know, because you want to you want to take it at several different angles, or, 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 or at least two for me. You want to be practical about it, but you also want to be a fan about it. The fan is like, yeah, I'd love to see another championship. With, with Patrice Bergeron holding another cup and passing it off to Charlie McAvoy or the next captain, you know. But there's also a realistic view that says to me that the assets that we have, even our roster players, aren't enough to make a big splash for me to say, we're going to the cup. I don't think it's worth it. I I honestly think that this is the offseason that you make those adjustments. You... You've got to cut bait with certain people. Felino, if he's got term, we need to do something about that. Yeah, I believe another year. That roster spot is needed for somebody else that's coming in to really help build the winner. And I think that this offseason and next season are the year that it does happen. Yeah. And is it crazy to think, is it crazy to think, Kevin O'Keefe, that the year we, oh no, it is crazy because I'm dumb. (laughs) <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about I was thinking about the uh, Winter Classic and what happened that year, but that was 2010, and we won yep. it in 11. So yep. yeah, it was. I fumbled. That's that's okay. I mean, because then we went to the Winter Classic against uh, Montreal, and nothing happened with that one. Oh, and I, then, um, I was what's, there. <laughs> what's funny is then we did the Winter Classic. 
against Chicago, and that year we went to the cup. That's pretty. Thanks wild. for the save, man. That's pretty. That's wild. an assist right there, folks. Be kind to your fellow hosts out there. Yep. Yep. Went to the cup in ninth because that was uh, 2019 against the Blackhawks that we had that um, on on January 1st, New Year's Day, when we had that game, right. and then 19. Of course, we went all the way to the cup finals, but you can't forget about the uh, golden path they had there. I mean, a lot of people don't like to talk about that, but you didn't have to play Tampa. You didn't have to play Pittsburgh. You didn't play have to play Washington. You had favorable right. matchups the entire way. Toronto pukes on themselves every time. You're good there. <laughs> First round was probably your biggest test, and then you move on to Columbus. I mean, let's be real. Tampa beat themselves. Tampa beat themselves. I mean, kudos on Columbus for being able to take advantage of that, but they just weren't a good matchup. Um, it wasn't a good matchup for them to go up against the Boston Bruins who were firing on all cylinders coming off that game seven big victory, which I was at. I was at that game seven victory. That uh, nice. that was a good one. That, that nice. place was loud. Oh, nice. my God. I still That's have awesome. a headache from it. Um, <laughs> then you uh, – you know, then you move into Carolina, who honestly had no business being there with Boston that year. And Boston made quick work of them. And the the test that you had with the Blues, I mean, it was winnable, but you, you lost in a game seven because you didn't show up. So that path is not going to come along often. And, the, and th- there's a reason why I'm saying this, because now this season, do I feel like this team is worth going all in, in on? Absolutely not. You're going to be going up against Carolina, Tampa, um, Florida, um, you name it. You name the juggernaut. You name it. You're going up against a lot of heavy competition, and I don't know if you have the basis. I mean, because these teams already have this stuff that you're trying to get at the deadline. So these teams at the deadline are going to be improving upon the things that you're getting at the deadline. If that makes sense to you, I I hope I'm making yep. sense. No, nope. perfect sense, absolutely perfect sense. It, it, I you don't have, you have to find those. You have to find those players that those teams found, like the Pat Maroons and so on. You know the guys that they're inspirational leaders, but also if you hit one of our superstars, but coming after you. That you too. Know, I, I just think there's too know. many holes with this team and yeah. too little assets to address every single one of them. If you're going to make a move at the deadline, it's going to be something that's smart. It has to be a move that helps you now and helps you for the future. We can't be doing any of these, you know, Claude Giroux deals or Tomas Hurdle deals with no, you know, uh, assurance of him re-signing. Yeah. Um, you know, and then uh, there's just other deals out there that I'm sure that um, are slipping my mind, but you can't be going after these rentals. You can't be doing anything like that. You've got to get pieces that will help you now, help you in the future. Um, like one deal that I keep going back to is Jared McCann and Vince Dunn. Hmm. I mean, if you were able to swing that, not only does it help you now, but it helps you for the future. Both of them are young. Um, both of them have term. Totally I mean, actually, with Dunn. Actually, I think McCann might be an RFA at the end of the year. Don't quote me on it. I'm not sure. Or he could have a year left on this deal. I'm not positive. Either way, team controlled. So, I mean, that's the type of deal I'd be willing to make. I don't know what assets it would take. I don't think it would take a guy like LaSalle um, to to make it happen as long as you're putting one of your first-round picks for the next two years in there, just one of them. Um, But I think, you know, I think that's a deal that you could make happen if uh seattle's open to it and from the sounds of it seattle's door is wide open and no one's untouchable so if i'm Sweeney, that's who i'm calling 
Yeah, I, I like Don. Uh, he's a good left left defenseman. Uh, he's got some physicality to his game, uh, offensive capability. I think he'd be like a really really good um, pairing with McAvoy. Absolutely, I mean, come, come right in and go right to the top guy. You know, it's going to be interesting on how everything is worked out with, when the trade deadline comes around and where we where we move uh, the pieces and if, if we move them at all. Um, but Speaking internally, Kevin, and, and the next topic is is we're going back to the defense. And this one was from me because I've seen something really irregular lately in Brandon Carlo. The Bruins def- desperately need a stronger and more focused Brandon Carlo coming down the stretch here. We need that sustainability in our middle depth of the back end. And, um, and he's been a, such a a key asset. I know that, you know, a lot of players, I mean, I'm sorry, a lot of fans don't like the, you know, his addition. They, they say he's a big guy that's too soft. I still think that he plays a very valuable um, role on this Boston Bruins team and the back end. So, but he's just going through a stretch right now where you, where you just kind of feel bad for the guy, you know, it's just, it, it's kind of rough. And um, is there time Kevin O'Keefe to, Brandon Carlo to get back. And if we're going to make a playoff run, we definitely need this guy. I know that, but um, you know, what's going on? What, what do you think is going on? Honestly, I, I mean, I, I can't even fathom what's going on in that guy's head right now. I don't think he's battling an injury. I don't think so. Cause he, he looks like he moves fine out there. It's yeah. just like, he's just in his head about something and it is going to be extremely crucial for Brandon Carlo to be at the top of his game for not only the stretch here, but the playoffs, if they, if they don't, you know, if they make it in there. And for me, we've already seen what this team looks like without Carlo in the playoffs. And that was with him being completely absent due to injury. Now, if he was in there, like completely absent from his mind, God, I mean, I don't, I don't like their chances. If if you don't have Carlo, who is a uh, important player, because like you said, he may not play big all the time. He, I mean, he can lay, lay some hits out. He can, uh, but he plays very positionally sound uh, when he's at his best. He's, you know, he's got a stick in the right sp- in the right spots. He's, um, he's not allowing people to burn him. He's kind of, he, he, he keeps people to the perimeter. He's that type of defenseman that you can rely on to not make those mistakes. And when he's on, he's really on. And we need that for sure. All right. I'm going to throw a theory out to you, Kevin, because I just, I had to look up on, um, puckpedia.com. And Brandon Carlo has no trade protection. Correct. Okay. And one of his biggest assets as a 25-year-old blue liner is he's got one, two, three, four, five, six years, I think. Oh, he's a UFA in 26-27. Yeah, so five years after this one. Thank you. You know I'm not math guy. Um, <laughs> now – we need to make a, uh, uh, additions on this defense. We both agreed with that. Either one, and I say up to two. Would it be realistically crazy to like involve him in a deal because he doesn't have the trade protection, but might want to go somewhere else? And I know that um, there are a lot of podcasts, and I can't remember. I got to start writing these shit down. 
because I want to mention the podcast, but I listen to like a, a few Colorado Avalanche podcasts. And I want to listen to them. So yes, please do that. Yeah, okay. I will. I will in the future. Um, but they are, uh, they're mentioning that um, Joe Sackix is, is wants to make a deal because, because he's setting his team up for the, for the, a long playoff run too. And he wants to make improvements. So there could be things that, you know, you could work on and, Brandon Carl has a natural fit at home in uh, in Colorado. That's where he, he grew up, and so on. So, um, is it out of the uh, ordinary to think that way? I mean, for this season, probably just because he just did sign that contract. <clears throat> and like I always say, agents talk. I mean, it might be a bad look for management if they were to ship him out this year. <clears throat> but on the other hand, if it was for a player like a chicken, you can't really say no to that. I mean, and I don't think a lot of people would blame management for not saying no to that. Right. Um, if giving up Brandon Carlo meant that you were able to bring in a player of that, of that quality, but what, what on, but, but if you're giving up <clears throat> Carlo to Colorado this season, let's say, let's go with that. What are you getting back? You're not getting back anything that's going to be of significance to help you this season because they're trying to also, you know, they're trying to go for a cup. So, I mean, I know it's a catch 22 so bad right now. Yeah. I mean, there's only really one player out there. Uh, I mean, and I feel like if you're putting Carlo out, you got to be bringing in, you know, a defenseman 100%. And uh, you know, a a guy like Chikrin, I'd probably do that type of deal. If involving Carlo and kind of deal with the ramifications of it later. But um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I could see them. I could see if Carlo's still doing what he's doing going into next season, and I could totally see them shopping him. But yeah, and that was pretty much a blanket thing on the whole trade scenario. It didn't have to just be like Colorado and so on. And there wasn't any right. rumors, but just generally speaking, if there was a, you know a natural fit, that's where I was just kind of going with that. Um, but regardless, let's move on. Um, could the uh, Bruins, Patrice Bergeron, win his record-setting fifth Selkie Trophy? ESPN's Greg Wyszynski, uh found Bergie was listed first on um, a majority of ballots that are out so far. So they, I mean, I'm pretty sure that the PWHA they all reach out to each other and kind of give them like mid-season grades and so on and where we're kind of going in the Selkie race. And if Greg Wasinski is like reporting that, you know, he's the leader thus far, you got to feel really good about that. And and is that something that you put under your belt and say, I still got it, I still got it, I I'm still that warrior and I I can still do it latch on to like, let's do another year. Absolutely. I mean, to speak on first, the Selkie, the potential Selkie for uh, Bergeron this year. I mean, he's first in face-off percentage again. Um, he's, his defensive metrics are there. Uh, he's having one of his best defensive seasons he's ever had. It, it makes perfect sense for this guy to be at the top when it comes to Selkie voting. And I would love to see him get that. And I'm sure Bergeron would absolutely love it too. Um, and yeah, I think that definitely would speak to where he's at, at, you know, with his age in his career. And I, I totally, I mean, I totally, I, I already think that he's probably gonna be signing again next year, barring, you know, 
an injury, of course, but that definitely puts a cherry on top. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And um, that would be kind of cool to see him in the uh, Winter Classic too. Oh, and he knows that. Yeah. He knows that. He knows. He he. You know he wants to be there. You know he knows that the fans want him to be there. Absolutely. So I can't see him letting down the fans. He never has. Nope. Never has. Um, let's move on to the next topic. Uh, the Bruins' third and fourth line have played solid lately. And um, you have to give him kudos because this is the type of stuff that you want to see not only in the regular season but potential playoff series. Um, but unfortunately, what's it all going to look like when we do get Bergeron and Marchand back? Because um, you know there's going to be a lot of shifting around. Are we going back to the hauler at 2C? Um, can Coyle sustain – uh, more games with with some consistency in his game to stay at two C, you know. There's there's so many things that that Bruce Cassidy is going to have to go through when these two um, world talent players in in Bergeron and Marchand come back into the lineup. It's, there's no doubt about it. So, what do you think? Um, I, I don't want to put you on a spot with like naming the whole um, lineup and everything, but who do you see coming in, going out? You know. Uh, it, it's so hard for me to fathom to even ask you. I'm like confused. Well, you know, I love playing assistant coach and messing with these lines. You know that you're just um, a man of chaos. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if I'm Bruce Cassidy and that coaching staff, um, what I'm looking to do, um, excuse my dog is I'm looking to have that first line be Marshan Bergeron, and I'm putting Steen there to see what you got. I am. I'm going to throw Steen there, and I'm going to say, "Kid, let's see what you can do," because you got a we got a deadline coming up. It's not. It doesn't mean he has to stay there forever. It doesn't have to be a marriage proposal or anything like that. But give him a chance. Give him a chance. See what you got. And then the second line, I'm going against the grain, and I'm pissing people off. I want to see Hall. I want to see Coyle, and I want to see Pasternak. I want to see what those three can do. Do do together, and you know if it doesn't work, then you break it up. No big deal. Like you know, it's one of those things that you're just gonna try. And then I like to see Halla, Frederick, and Smith as your third line. I think that could be um, give you some good possibilities. And then I'd like to stick with that bleed, um, Nosek and Lazar fourth line. Um, so that means a uh, Felino. I'm sorry, but you're riding the pine pony. And it is what it is. I mean, I understand you're making what you're making, but you're not doing anything on the ice. Help this team. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. This It's a hard reality to have a veteran like that, that, you know, provides a ton of leadership, but still just realistically doesn't really have it in his game right now. And we're seeing it. And, you know, we're not, we're not shitting on Felino at all or his efforts and anything like that. He's probably way better than me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Probably, probably. <laughs> but uh, no, no. To be honest with you, it's just like uh, it's so hard for Bruce Cassidy to take out like a guy, even a guy like Trent Frederick, who's taken a lot of heat this year. You know, he's been really stepped it up the past couple of games, really starting to prove that he's a little more valuable. And I hope that others are, are seeing that. You know, I know they don't completely hate the player. But it's just some of the stupid things that he does, and I get that. But that 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 happens a lot in other areas of the game too. That you know others get frustrated at too. But 
I, I'd rather choose and f- look at the positives that he does. And I'm seeing something really good in him and I hope it continues. So, and Antoine bleed just pr- provides that type of snarl that you need. You know, y- you don't have anything else, but to play him in, in that role. And uh, unless you acquire somebody else that has a lot more snarl and, and, and can put the puck in a little bit more, you make a trade for it. But for right now, you can't take a player like that out of the lineup. So unfortunately, it comes down to the veteran, you know, Nick Felino. And um, is, you know, is he going to be the next backus that needs to be spoken to? Or we need to have a conversation about what, what my role is here. You know, I don't see that happening. I don't see it getting that far, but you still do have to play your best players. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And, and that brings me to this. I got a question for you. Now, we know a lot of fans are going to be clamoring for this, um, but we need to know. I need to know if it's justified. And that is, they're going to be asking to see Studnika between Hall and Pasternak. They're going to want to see it. Now, do you think that Studnika has done enough for when this team is fully healthy to stay in the lineup? Yes. Okay. Now, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying where, though. Right. It's got to be up the middle. That's his strongest suit right now. I do not see him as a very good right winger, to be honest with you. Agreed. You know, I mean, just like Charlie Coyle, natural center is moving to the right side. It's It doesn't look comfortable, even though some people are like, oh, it works, it works, keep it going. I don't see it. I see deer in headlights type of material. Um, But, yeah, yeah, I, he's another situation where Bruce Cassidy is like, it's very hard for me to not play him. You know, you know what I just noticed too. When I did my lineup, I completely forgot about DeBrusque. Yeah. Oh, Jesus! Completely forgot about him. So yeah, you know, I can't answer that right now. I'd have to kind of go it through everything. Mindstorm some of this stuff. It, it's it's tough because, like you said, Stanika deserves to be in there. I mean, you got to have DeBrusque in there. I, I don't. There's no reason to sit him. You don't want to sit Frederick right now. God, what do you do, man? It's like, okay, Felino comes out. That's an easy one. Okay, fine. But who's the next one to come out? Who is it? I mean, God, like, I mean, it's that's a tough one. I mean, Jesus. I mean, yeah. you got you, I mean, if you if you want to keep that Smith Coil Frederick line together, okay, that's fine. I, I I can see that. So let's say that's your third line. But then you don't – I don't know if you want to play Sadnika on the fourth line. And then also I don't know if you want to play him on the second line. It's kind of like where the hell do you go with this? I it's mean, so hard to take – it's so hard to take a player like uh, Thomas Nosek off of that fourth line center right now because he's been doing it all year. Can't do that, no. He's, he's got to stay it there. all year and he's been consistent and, you know, and I, I hate – and I get it's a roster spot and it's experience and everything for a young player, but I do not like having natural centers that need to flourish in an offensive um, situation to be stuck down and grinding minutes on the fourth line. Stanika's waiver ineligible, correct? Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah, he can go down. He's coming out of the lineup then. Yeah, he unfortunately, he's probably the one that, you know, I don't think he has that many NHL games right now that he needs to go through the waiver process. So, so when Bergy comes back, he's the odd man out. Yeah, he's out. I mean, and and that just comes down to contracts. Is that's literally all it comes down to? I mean, it's what you saw with Swayman. 
It's what you're going to see. That's what you're seeing with Steen right now. Yep. That's the why the ELC, it's an ELC. It's expected. Yep. The reason why Steen is out of this lineup right now is because he can be moved between Providence and Boston um, exactly. you know, without being touched. Um, so it's, yeah. So, so we don't even have to think about, you know, where we're going to put Stanika cause he won't be there. And I think, you know, but if an injury happens, you know, who's coming up now, yep. it's going to be Stanika. And also if something's not working, you know, someone who's going to come up to kind of, uh, push that, push the, either push that player or replace that player. It's going to be Stanika. Um, so I guess the only place that I'm trying to kind of figure out. So it looks like Studnika and Felino would be coming out, but then if you're bringing Steen back in, someone else has got to come out if you keep it in DeBrusque, and that's where it gets tough. So if Steen's not in there, but but you got to figure out who you're going to be putting with Bergeron and Martian, and the only guy you can do that with is either Pasenak or or Smith. I don't see any other play. You're not putting Felino up there. No way. You're not putting Lazar up there. So I don't see any other player who can go with that line other than Smith. So I think you will end up seeing that first line back together. Um, I I do. I think you'll see that first line back together. And then I think you'll see your second line back together. And then I think you'll be seeing, I don't know if, I don't know if Frederick can play his offside on the right side. I don't know. No, no, he's, he's generally a center left wing. Yikes. I mean, yeah, I don't know what they're going to do. That sounds really annoying. Um, I'm glad I don't have to do it. Um, so that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm done with this one. <laughs> all right. Hey, before the next one, do you want to touch on that uh, Charlie Coyle one? Sure. All right. So could Charlie Coyle possibly be worth a look on the second line with Taylor Hall and uh, David Pasenak? Yeah, I think we, we, you know, we did touch upon this. I think um, it's definitely worth a look with the with the skills that he's showing, and he's showing some more speed. He really is. He's showing some of that speed that he can kind of harness and just explode into the universe. So, um, I think it is worth a look if you're um, Bruce Cassidy. We'll see if they do it. One thing I want to touch on about that is it's good to do stuff like that in the regular season, because if you saw something positive could work at a spur of a moment, you might be able to use that in a certain situation in a playoff series where you might be down a goal, you know, and, you know, or you you need to win one in overtime and double overtime. You could be like, Hey, these guys, they did something really special within a 32nd time frame. Let's, Let's see if we can blast that out there again. These are the times to like try that out and see if it works. You know, and what if it works? Exactly. You know, you're not going to know that unless you try it. Exactly. It, it basically the same thing that that the Boston Bruins did with Halla and in that trial period at Second Line Center. Everybody was like, "What are you doing?" And then they watched the game. It was like, "Oh wow, that's actually pretty fast. Yeah, works out really well." And it made. Uh, Kevin O'Keefe look like a freaking genius. <laughs> I mean, I, I, there, there's some other people out there who deserve some credit too, but yeah. No, I know. I, I mean, pumping I was, the tires. Pumping the tires. <laughs> pumping the tires. We're pumping the tires. But yeah, I mean, I it went in, like you said, look what it did for um, a guy like Halla. I mean, he's got the speed um, to work with those guys, uh, of course. But I, I think Coyle has another elevation to his game to really pick up that speed. Yep. And he doesn't have to 100% keep up with them. 
You know, he doesn't have to be because look what Krejci can do. You know, know. Krejci, Krejci didn't need to keep up with Hall. Um, I think the reason why Coyle and Hall weren't working was because they didn't have another guy to help facilitate that offense. Now they do with David Pasternak. So Coyle can, you know, be that guy who can work that heavy puck possession and even be involved on some two-on-ones or three-on-ones or just odd man breaks and, you know, be that trailer who maybe the puck gets back to and we get to see him unleash that that really nice shot that he has because he does have a good shot. The guy can bury it. You know, um, I, I he's got the skill. For anyone who's ever watched Charlie Coyle, watched him not only throughout his Boston Bruins career, but also his uh, time with the Minnesota Wild, you know the, guy, the kid's got skill. He does. Even and at Boston University. Yeah, he's got skill. I mean, look at – Look at him when he's when he's like right in on the crease, the elevation he gets on that puck. Yeah, oh my God, like that takes some. That's a goal scorer's um, uh, skill right there. I mean, yeah, this kid's got it. I mean, let's see if he can unleash it with two star wingers. Just freaking try it. And you know what? And if you if you have an issue with what I'm saying, you're more than welcome to talk to me about it. But <laughs> this is just how my mind works. I mean, it's how it worked with breaking up the production line, and it's how it's working now. I see it could be a fit. Let's let's see it in action and see if that is actually true. But you know, Mark, if it does work, then it's going to turn into oh, but he's not a top six center. Oh, yeah. but uh, he he he's uh, he's not going to be able to sustain this. You know, it, that's what it's going to be. If it he hasn't work. he hasn't earned enough trust. Oh, we haven't seen a 45 season sample size. So no, it's not going to work. You know what I mean? So it's like, there's no winning with it. All I can do is see what's on the ice and be happy with what I'm seeing. I hope Cassidy does try it. Cause that would be fun. And if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I could care less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you need the effort, you know, um, let's talk about the upcoming games. Let's wrap this thing up. Um, fantastic, uh, program again, Mr. Kevin O'Keefe. Appreciate your time. Uh, the upcoming games, New York Island is uh, February 17th at 7.30 p.m. This is a road game down at the new UBS Center. Um, have you seen the new facility yet? No. And I haven't either, so this would be a first for yep. myself too. So um, uh, the Islanders are struggling. This is just you got you to gotta get these two points no matter what. And losing if if they happen to lose this is just something that you need to think about um hard and and as the trade deadline comes are you you know when you're losing to the teams like this is it better to make the trade before it gets too late that you can gain chemistry with a new incoming player so um that kind of weighs a, uh, a little bit of heaviness on me because I do want to see something happen sooner rather than later. But um, uh, the next game is Ottawa. It's another one that, you know, th- I mean, it's kind of a series here, except for when you get to the, the Colorado Avalanche on Monday at, at 1 p.m. But the, uh, the Islanders game, the Ottawa game, it's just like you got to you got to put it all together and make it happen in these two games and prepare yourself for that Sunday, uh, that Monday afternoon game. Sorry. But I mean, this is just, a, uh, you know, if we're doing the predictions, Islanders win, uh, Senators win. And, and I got to take, say that the, the Colorado Avalanche are really outmatched for us. So I hate to say it, but a loss, especially Martianless, you know? Yeah. I mean, un- until we get Martian back, I mean, we just, 
we're totally like in oblivious on on what we're thinking about how this offense is going to really produce. You know, are we going to see like a, a one goal effort like we did last night stretching into a, a shootout? We don't really don't need that as a as a wild card team right now. We need to be way better than this. And I think that uh, two wins against one against the Islanders and one against the Senators is just what we need. Absolutely. It, it, I think it's crucial points that you really do need. I mean, you're about to be going on a um, you're going on a pretty long road trip here. Um, so you're going to need it. But the good thing is, is that they've been a really good road team this year. They've been um, better than the, than the, uh, the uh, home team. They're 15, yep. 10 and one at home and there's yep. 12, six and three on the road. Yeah. They've been so. doing pretty well on the road and um, especially our goaltending. Our goaltending has been fantastic on the road. Um, yep. So I like our chances. Um, during this road trip, um, specifically when it comes to against the um, New York Islanders and Ottawa Senators. So, wait, the Ottawa Senators is an away game, correct? Yes, it is a away game. Okay. Yeah. The so, uh, the Colorado games at home at 1 p.m. Ah, uh, yes. Is- and then I believe they go on a pretty long road trip after that, right? Are you um, working Monday? Um, it's kind of a, it's a holiday for me. I, I will be working, but not a ton i will definitely be watching that game okay i was gonna say if you want to do a live stream i'm totally down for that at a 1 p.m puck drop yeah boom i can make that i did i work for myself i can make anything happen i know but i had (laughs) i can't just say kevin o'keefe one o'clock let's go i mean (laughs) let's do it i'm down let's do it all right then you heard it here first absolutely all right, well, we're going to wrap this uh, this one up. Um, thank you, Kevin, for your time. Truly appreciate it. And um, now we're going to um, talk about our Patreon. We do have a Patreon account. i got to get more organized than this. But it is right here. If you go to patreon.com slash Podcast and you donate $1, you have a chance to win some fantastic prizes, signed pucks, signed photos, Donnie Markart right here, 1970-72 Stanley Cup champion. And uh, even be eligible for our monthly jersey giveaways right here. Don Markart, hand-signed jersey, fully authenticated. Love it. We're giving this win away right now. This month's winner is Mr. Nick Busa from the Dump and Change Hockey Podcast. Congratulations, Nick. Rick. He's up. He's our boy. Rigged. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Uh, Thank you very much for your contribution, Nick. Truly appreciate it. Uh, and, and please go to um, uh, Apple, Spotify, and so on, and um, subscribe to the Dump and Change Hockey Podcast. Those guys are great. Sam Minton, Jared, and uh, and my boy, Nick Busa. So congratulations, Nick. Thanks again. Um, but that's it. Uh, I'm going to edit this one and get it out as soon as possible. But uh, thank you very much for um, tuning in this week, folks. And and support the retweets, the questions, the interaction. It's all fun and good. Thank you so much to our YouTube viewers, unbelievable people. Please subscribe, like, and do whatever you do on the YouTube. So, uh, Kevin, I hope you have a great week, and uh, we'll, we'll talk next Wednesday, my friend. Absolutely. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. 
please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at blackandgoldpod, at BNG Productions, at blackandgold277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out.